Oh, this is uh, one of those nights when uh, you got to close your eyes and you got to see beyond what's in front of you and understand that there's a bigger picture uh, to the story. And uh, with snowstorms and all those kind of things, um, I just I want to set a few things in motion uh, as a church that people may may or may not know about me. But hey, this is Minnesota. We're going to have snow. We're going to have storms. You don't need to call in to see if we're going to have church. I want it to be known. We're going to have church. I'm just going to tell you right now, Target's open, Walmart's open, Chipotle's open, and nobody questions that. But why is it it's still the little kid in us sometimes that wants to get out of school? I think they just wonders if we're going to, I'm just going to tell you flat out, we're going to have church. So next snowstorm, gonna have church. Next time it rains, gonna have church. And whoever comes, comes, that's okay. So those of you who are joining us online right now, I just want you to know, we're gonna have church. And if you gotta join us at home because you feel like that's safer, God bless you. But uh, I just want that expectation to be out there so that we're no longer questioning it. There was a time just a couple years ago where in, uh, in our society, things were closed down and only the essential businesses were opened. And churches were closed. And I'm just going to tell you right, right now, we don't have to worry about the government telling us this. We are an essential entity in our community. And so we're going to open the doors. And whoever comes, comes. I walked down the hallway tonight and uh, saw, saw uh, so many teenagers in the Life Center, all worshiping Jesus, all ready to hear the Word of God, ready to go. You don't know who needs church. And, uh, and I think when we do gather, where two or three are gathered together in his name, Jesus is here. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I, as we moved into this week, and, and I'm in the, in the mode of prayer, and I've been thinking about what God wants to do in and through Emmanuel. Um, I, I believe that, you know, as Pastor Nathan mentioned it, we've talked about for the last 10 years that I've been the lead pastor of the church, that God's called us to be a house of prayer for all, for all nations, and I really focus on that for all nations part where God has uh, put a mantle on us to be a place where people from any nation, any background, any socioeconomic status, this is, you are welcome in our church. You are a part of the church. But I feel like this year, God wants me to emphasize the house of prayer part of it. That when we are together, that we are a praying people. That when we are praying, that we are praying the kind of prayers that God answers. That we're living lives in such a way that we're in tune with the Spirit, and that when God hears our prayers, that our city is changed because of it. And because I have that thought, as we begin our Seek First, the very first one of the year, I'm just going to call you as a church to, to kind of turn on your spiritual ears and to listen to what the Spirit is saying to our church, to up your prayer game, to believe big things for what God can do in and through you this year. And... Uh, it was just about an hour ago. I was in the sanctuary, and our worship team was going through uh, the rehearsal. And thank God for an amazing worship people that showed up tonight, our production people, the people, all of the, the team. Some of them drove 45 minutes to get here. So grateful. But as I was in here, God starts giving me something for you tonight. And I believe it's a word, and I don't care if there was only one person in the room, me, and a camera because it was something that God was writing on my soul and I feel like it's meant for this moment and 
I've never spoken it out loud before. I'm literally, I was writing on my phone. A few people came up to talk to me and I said, I'm sorry, God's giving me something right now. I got to write it down. And then I ran back and threw it onto my iPad. And, uh, and I'm just going to share with you what I feel like God is saying to us. Once you get your notes out, if you can, because I feel like you need to be a participant in what God is saying and write it down. Uh, and if, if that's by paper, go ahead and do it by paper. If you got to do it on your phone, do it on your phone. The title of what I want to talk about is The Now and the Not Yet. The Now and the Not Yet. The Now and the Not Yet. Prophecy is the now and the not yet. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. And Jesus will speak things in the moment that are meant for that moment, but they're also meant for future moments, the now and the not yet. So when you see prophecy and the prophets of the Old Testament, the prophecies that are found in the New Testament, you will see those words actually meaningful to the audience of that day. But it's not relegated only to a historical moment. Those were prophecies that would be fulfilled in the future. In the moment, it was the not yet. There were aspects of what was being spoken that would not be unveiled in that moment alone. And so I want you to catch that what God does when we gather, when we pray together, when we listen to the word, when we worship, there is always going to be a now and a not yet. Say this with me, the now and the not yet. In other words, God is going to do something in you now, but it's going to be more meaningful than just now. I think that what God wants to speak to you and to your family is more than just an answer to your current prayers. But God would want to do things that are down the road. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus, when he is speaking to John, the revelator, in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, you can turn there with me. Revelation chapter 1, John begins to describe Jesus as he sees him. In verse 13, and it says, And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest, and his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire, and his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. And he held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Somebody say amen to that. Now write down what you have seen, he tells John, both the things that are what? Now happening and the things that will happen. So in this moment, and you're going to see in the book of Revelation, 
there are so many fantastic descriptions that we're still trying to figure out what John meant. But John was seeing these things. He's trying to describe in words what he saw with his eyes. And not only did he see with his physical eyes, but he saw with his spiritual eyes. And I believe that God would speak to you and to me, and he would give us things that we would not fully understand in this moment, but we need to hold on to those things We need to write those things down for God would reveal those things over time. That there are things about what God is speaking to us that we don't understand in this moment, but they're meant for future moments. Many times I think we get caught up saying, well, Lord, I just need you to answer my prayer. I need my bills paid. I I, I need my marriage healed or I need something to, I need something to happen. And we only think in the context of this moment. But when God speaks to you, he wants to speak to you about more than just this moment. That there are things that God wants to drop and download into your heart and your head that are for far more than what you think or what you see. And we're to write those things down. Our moments in his presence become now and not yet moments. Prophetic previews and catalysts for things to come. I believe that when we gather, whether it be on Sunday morning or in our connect groups or when you're serving on Team Emmanuel or when we're worshiping Jesus, whether it be together with the church or it be in your home, I believe that God wants to give us now and not yet moments this year that we're ready for, that we capture those moments. We don't miss it when God speaks to us and that our moments in his presence are catalytic for other things in the future. When we pray in our prayers, it's the now and not yet prayers. It's setting things into motion. Our prayers are not measured by what happens in one moment, but by what we set into motion. This is what I I feel like God was saying to me. He was like, so if I'm the only one that gets really into this tonight, I'm okay with that. Because I just felt like God was saying to our church, Listen, people, I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. All the stuff you're worried about, death, you're worried about what's going on with, with around the world and governments, all that stuff, your, your mind is captured by the wrong things. I want to drop something on you, and if you'll catch it, things will be set into motion that are far bigger than you are that you have prayers that only see this much, but I want to open your eyes to see so much more. Setting things into motion. When my grandpa, who was a rebel, said yes to Jesus in the 1930s, his yes to Jesus was a prophetic now and not yet moment. For he would say yes to Jesus, which would set into motion a series of events that eventually would lead to many different lives being transformed. He would pastor a church. He would raise a son. His son would have a son who happens to be me. And then God wanted me to be moving to Minnesota at some point. Who thought of that? 
But you see, God set things into motion that were much larger than my grandpa could ever have imagined at that moment. You have no idea what your yeses are and what they set into motion for your children and your grandchildren, what it could mean for our communities around us and how it could ignite something that is far larger than just our little box that we live within. We need the prophetic mind of Christ to look and listen. That was the word that I shared on Sunday that I felt like was the word for for our church this year, to be looking beyond what we see in the present and to listen for more than what we've been asking for. To look and listen. Uh, Methuselah, how many ever heard of that guy's name? What is he famous for? Oldest guy in the Bible, 969 years he lived. 969 years. Now, how many know that's a long time? (laughs) There are some scholars that believe if you look at all the genealogies in in Genesis and you track out the son of so-and-so lived this many years and you kind of line them all up, um, his name means when he is dead, it shall come. And so when, you're, when he was born, mommy and daddy looked at him and said, when he is dead, it shall come. When he was growing up, everybody, when he is dead, it shall come. And, and he, he lives with this. How many of you know, probably by year number 50, he started thinking, I wonder when I'm going to die and what's coming. But now you're into 969 years. He's lived his whole life and he's probably thinking, what am I living for? Beyond raising my kids and now he's got like great, 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 great grandkids, right? Imagine Christmas at his house trying to buy presents for all of his lineage, right? It'd be crazy. My point is, When he died, some scholars believe, was the same year that the floods came. His entire life, he was a prophetic promise of something that would come, but nobody knew what it was. It was the judgment of God. And when he is dead, it shall come, came true. This is what I want you to consider that for all of us, we look through the the lens of our skill set, we look through the lens of our net worth, we look through the lens of our actions, our good deeds and our bad deeds. And we tend to value our future based on what's been done in our past. But what if, what if from the time you were born, of course, what does Psalm say that we, God was there in our mother's womb and he was shaping us and forming us. What if in that calendar that he had, his outlook calendar, what if he had a moment coming for you at which it would blow your mind what he wants to do next? What, how would you pray? How would you worship? What would you be expecting? What would you be thinking about if you knew 
like Methuselah, when he is dead, it shall come. Look and listen. There is something going on that's bigger than what you see. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's bigger than what you see. What does this mean for you individually and us as a church? I mean, think about it for me personally. I'm limited in my perspective, which limits my faith. Low expectations can mean low faith. If, I'm, if, if I've got small things, this is why, you know, uh, when, when the Israelites were sending the spies into the land and, and uh, 10 were bad and two were good. How many know that song, right? And, and what did they say? That we are like grasshoppers to the giants in the land. Perspective limited their faith of what God could do. And because they had low expectations, the people of Israel wandered in the desert until a whole generation died away. I think that God wants to raise our faith, church. I just think it. I think he wants to, and the way our faith gets raised is our perspective expands. Our expectations grow. We begin to think different and see different. As a church, we need to open our eyes beyond the way we frame the moments we're in to recognize it's bigger than we think. We have open doors that Jesus has placed before us and we need to link up to the prophetic mind of God before we pray or as we pray. Where God begins to expand us, thinking larger and bigger. It's like the prayer of Jabez. Expand my tents, Lord. Lord, stretch it out. I, I, I live under the tent of low expectations, so stretch my expectations. Grow my faith. Make me a greater prayer warrior for my family. Make me a greater prayer warrior. Help me to believe bigger things the way you see them and not get, get low expectations because in the moment, I don't see the full answer to my prayer. Why? Because it's the now and the not yet. It's not come through yet, but it's coming. And to keep praying with that same level of expectation. Practically speaking, we can ask the Lord to expand the boundaries of our expectations. And when we face obstacles, we must keep praying. Kind of like Daniel had to pray. And you look at the prophet, Daniel. Of course, he wasn't a prophet. He, he interpreted prophetic things and shared prophetic things. But he was an actual leader in the land who was under persecution, and he'd go and he'd pray three times a day, and they were watching him. And at one point, he wasn't getting an answer until the answer came, and what did the, the angel say to him? I was held back for 21 days because there was a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. But let me tell you this. Every single time he prayed was a prophetic prayer moment that was catalyzing and moving towards a breakthrough. You have no idea when you're pounding on the dam when the dam is going to break. Your breakthrough is coming if you can keep praying, keep expecting, keep believing that God's not done yet. He is going to come through. Can I get an amen, church? It's coming. 
Think of that daily prayer acting like blows on a dam until the breakthrough comes and the message of the Lord is delivered. Church, Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill. He said, you're an outpost of heaven on earth that is visible to everyone. What does he say it in Matthew chapter five? Jesus is looking at us. That's the way I visualize it. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. When Jesus was speaking this, of course, he uses visuals that the audience would understand, and they understood salt was a preserving factor. It kept things from decaying. When he says you are the salt of the earth, he means you're valuable to the world around you. It matters that you stay on track. It matters that you keep saying no to sin. It matters that when you sin that you get on your knees and repent. It matters for your kids. Come on, somebody. It matters to the people that are watching you. It matters how you live. But just as much your prayers matter. And even when it doesn't seem like anything is changing, no one's, there's no breakthrough. And you feel like nothing's happening. Jesus is saying, uh, what help, what hope does the world around have if you lose it? If you no longer are salty, if you are no longer preserving, if you don't stay focused on what God has called you to do, what happens to them? What hope do they have? He says, if you're the light of the world, meaning there's darkness everywhere, but you got to stay light. You got to be hooked up to the light. You got to be plugged into the light. And if you are plugged into the light, guess what? The darkness benefits from the light, even if they don't like it. I can remember when I was growing up, my mom is here tonight. And I loved to sleep to the very last minute before the, the bus came, didn't I, Mom? I mean, the very last minute. And uh, my mom would come in finally. She'd get so anxious, so frustrated with me, and she would turn the light on. And when you're sleeping and the light goes on, how many know you don't always like the light? But how many know the light was there for me? And it was good for me, and I made the bus. Thank you, Mom. To this day, I'm grateful that you helped me. Here's my point. We have got to, we've got to get the mind of Christ. We've got to get hooked up to the mind of Christ. And when, when Jesus is speaking in Revelation, you see what follows. If you read through over the next couple of chapters, is Jesus very specifically speaks about the seven churches. And he has specific words to the church. They're prophetic now and not yet words. And he essentially is challenging them to, to be the kind of people who stay on track, keep persevering. And sometimes they had to repent. Sometimes they needed to not be prideful and they had to shift their focus. And it wasn't like Jesus was just mad at them all. He was just giving them corrective words so that they, they could fulfill the mantle on their church. Well, if we're going to fulfill the mantle that is on this church, of which you are a part of this church, then you gotta hear what God is saying to you and to us as a church. 
He might be saying something to somebody at another church about other things. Praise God. Sometimes people will send me messages that are spoken somewhere else and because it's really powerful to them or whatever. I'm like, that's really great, but I don't sense that that's what God is saying to our church. So I'm not gonna re-preach somebody else's message in this church. I only wanna preach what Jesus is saying to our church. Praise the Lord for what's happened over there, but we have a responsibility to listen to what God is saying to us. And if we hear him and, th- and then we're in concert with God and in our prayers, As a praying church, if we're praying with God, something else is getting set into motion, things that we don't even understand. In Revelation chapter five, verse eight, there's a little snapshot of something that's really interesting that John saw. And it says, and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. And each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. That is the most interesting picture I've seen in Revelation. A bowl that's got God's people's prayers in them. I don't know uh, about you, but when I'm praying, I need a visual of what I'm doing. And if you need a visual for what you're doing, every time you're praying, you're filling the bowl. And that bowl makes its way before the lamb. And how many know the lamb overcame? Come on, somebody. These aren't not empty prayers. These aren't prayers that go nowhere. These are prayers that are setting into motion something that's so fantastic your mind cannot contain it. And I'm just saying, I believe that God is calling us closer so that we have greater expectations, and if we see the way he sees, and we listen to what he's telling us, and we pray through what he's talking to us about, then the bowl will be filled, and the world will be changed. That doesn't mean everybody's going to get saved. doesn't mean everybody's going to love the light. Not everybody's going to be happy with the church. In fact, they're going to hate the church. They killed Jesus. They're not going to like us. That doesn't mean we hate the world. Come on, somebody. That doesn't give the church a right to get all defensive and and get mad and point out all the evils of the world. No, we need to follow the pathway of Jesus. And if we follow his pathway, listen, I'm just telling you, people will be changed. They'll see the truth in action. Sometimes through persecution. Sometimes just through a model of servanthood and caring for the world that is around us. But people will see Jesus through our lives. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.